This is Shane, your host of Radical Rocks. Tonight we're going to talk a little bit about some news in the rock and mineral world. We're going to talk about some ancient bird that was found. We're going to talk about a diamond lattice. We're going to talk about some ice coming out of volcanoes. I think we can talk about some rockhound wisdom. We'll briefly talk about synthesizing precious metals and the real Jurassic Park. So that's the latest. So let's get right into it. Um, first of all, just like to thank you guys for supporting the blog. The blog is at radicalrocksusa.blogspot.com. And at the bottom of every one of our posts, there is links to all our social media, to our YouTube to our Facebook group, and so on and so forth. So we are trying to keep rock hounding alive. We want to support educational venues and keep the areas open and just have an area where we can talk about rocks and gems and minerals in a good uh, atmosphere. And that's that's what we're working on and that's what we're building. So please take part of that. Um, your attention and subscription to all of these formats helps us to meet that goal. So we appreciate your support on that. So let's get right into it. Um, first of all, um, a lot of this information comes from Rock and Jim um, magazine. They have a news outlet, and we will get right into it. But also, I have some information from the VUG, VUG.com. You can go to VUG.com. They have a lot of great resources there. You can check that out. But um, one of the interesting things that I saw in here that was just released on the 22nd is they found actually a frozen bird in Siberia, and they estimate uh, that it's 46,000 years old, and they say it looks like it died yesterday. So... Um, who knows? It sounds pretty interesting. It is, uh, at one time, the Siberian uh, area that is just, you know, encapsulated in ice was once a rich tundra forest and uh, a very, a very diverse ecosystem. And sometimes when the ice melts down, these uh, creatures are discovered in pretty much intact, frozen, you know, completely with the uh, meat and muscles and blood and everything intact. So pretty interesting. Some end up fossils and some end up frozen, solid. All right, so there also was an article from a diamond lattice defects, and this was a GIA researchers. They're looking at a blue or a gray-blue violet diamond color. So in their latest researches, they are trying to find out the cause of the gray-blue-violet color in diamonds. Um, and this is at their symposium that they do. And it fosters, um, you know, experimentation and um, different things like that. So it's just an in-depth study on diamonds. Pretty interesting if you want to read that article a little in-depth. It's kind of deep. I don't think uh, I'll go into it here. But one other thing that was found... In about February 20th, it was reported here uh, on the VUG.com that there was rare and fleeting, uh, these rare and fleeting volcanoes uh, have been erupting at Lake Michigan. So these actually are, um, they said that they're not all volcanoes 
spew fiery molten rock on rare occasions in the cold dark winter the shores of lake michigan can belch up erupt eruptions of slushy ice and there's some photos there if you want to check it out pretty interesting then also there was um, some old bones and new discoveries at the natural history museum of utah and uh, this was situated in the hills just above the university of utah and on January 29th, 24th, they announced that a new species of dinosaur was officially named Allosaurus gymnasian. And that first part of the name, Allosaurus, is a different type of reptile is what it translates to. And then uh, I think the last name might have had something to do with uh, uh, who discovered it and so on and so forth. Okay. So that's kind of it from the Vug. Here's some rockhound wisdom you might appreciate. You might be a rockhound if looking at a mineral, gem, rock, or fossil automatically improves your mood. Uh, so I think most of us, well, definitely if you're listening to this, you got to be a rockhound because otherwise it'll probably, you know, it's kind of a boring subject um, to just talk about. It's hard to make it exciting. If you have any suggestions, please go to my blog and give me any ideas you have. Um, on Rock and Gem magazine, also there was an article on the 20th that talks about synthesizing precious metals. And it's pretty in-depth and um, pretty kind of deep, actually. But it's interesting because it says that, you know, the most common minerals that are there when you look at the um, the table of elements... They are usually, you know, like two, four, six, eight. But some of the more rare minerals, like gold and silver and copper, are, um, you know, like gold and uh, silver. Silver is 47 and gold is 79. So it's kind of interesting the way this works out. And the article goes on to tell how, you know, protons and electrons and when there's one nucleus and, or when there's one proton to the nucleus and how, you know, it creates this heavier mineral and so on and so forth. And how these come from the center of, of the planets or even, you know, from these, um, um, solar, um, dark holes and, and things like that, you know, when they, when it's created and in the middle of the earth is where the heaviest minerals are. So it's really kind of a miracle that they make it here onto the surface. And they feel like uh, that there was something that caused this. It could have been millions of meteorites or whatever that beat upon the earth and cracked it open. Of course, I've heard theories that, you know, the pressure of the ocean cracks open uh, lower areas where the, where the man, where the, the core of the earth, not the core, the crust of the earth is thinner and allows the minerals to come up. And these smokers that they have in the ocean are just laden with rare earth minerals and things of that sort. But they do uh, talk about how that that, that uh, phenomenon is what makes it why usually when you find gold, you find silver or you find copper, you find all these um, certain elements that seem to be collecting together when they're when the rare earth or a rare minerals does show up it says silver is the most reflective element that reflects 99 percent of the light that hits it or gold reflects about 95 percent and um, it's pretty cool when you think about it and they talk about how gold doesn't um, you know get corroded it just stays like brand new from now to eternity when they dug up the um king tut 
and his death shroud there, his burial shroud, it's just as new as the day they beat it, beat it into shape and, and formed it into shape to, you know, whatever, however many hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years ago that was, where silver will, you know, start to get tarnished and, and kind of corrode. So there's these different effects, and the different effects are due to this D electron that orbits. So when it's orbiting um, closer to the nucleus, it shields it and, and helps it be um, bonded. And if, it, if it's not, then you get different wavelengths that that have to do with the color and the way that it um, would kind of corrode, I guess you could say. So it's pretty interesting. It says comparing silver to platinum, the same shielding effect as gold giving platinum tarnish resistance cannot be said for silver because it lacks the F electron to provide the shielding effect. It is attacked over time and the likes of by the likes of oxygen and sulfur. So kind of interesting. And they go in to talk about copper too. So you might want to check that out. It's called the synthesizing of precious metals. And this talks about, you know, on a cellular level and how they are in the planet, how they came about through, through stars and whatnot. <coughs> and uh, why they're kind of found in groups with one another. Pretty interesting. And finally, for the last article for today, um, found a really interesting um, bit of news on Rock and Jim again and this was about a Jurassic Park area and it's called I think it's Fruita Fruita it's F-R-U-I-T-A that's the name of the, the area the town it's in Colorado and it's called the real Jurassic Park and it was written on January the 30th and this is in western Colorado. If you have a chance to look at this article, it's really interesting. Um, they give the history of how it was discovered. And um, some of the largest dinosaurs of all have been unearthed in that area. And it's really an interesting read. I, I spent quite a few minutes reading this. But they have a 50-foot long um, dinosaur. They have full skeletal mounts. Um, they have um, a 20-foot tall frost green dinosaur that looms over the the main town square of this museum. And um, there's also, you can walk the area and look at some of these digs, several different areas. So if you want to go on a dinosaur adventure, I mean, this place is like dinosaur mecca. I think everybody, every kid... Um, Sounds like every kid would want to go here at some point if they're really serious about dinosaur. But Riggs was the man that became the main discoverer. And uh, he did this uh, as early as the early 1900s. But this area was known about in the, in the 1800s, in the 1890s. And people were digging these bones up and just kind of collecting them, selling them to tourists and things like that until he was able to make several of these these discoveries that you can go check out today. And it's really an interesting story how he overcame a lot of obstacles to be able to bring um, the plaster to preserve these bones and to be able to transfer them. Um, how he had so many people volunteered and helped out when the chips were down and helped provide food one time their boat flipped over and they lost all their food and most of their supplies and um you know everybody in town just chipped in and the railroad helped to transport one time and it's just a really a neat story of 
how all this came about and that we have these things preserved today, you know, because of people like this, because surely this would have been, you know, just dug up and um, all gone by now. And but now it's an area that that's set aside that we can all enjoy. And although I like to see areas kept open for collecting, sometimes, you know, th these type of things here that are um, um, so much more um, historical and there's so much learned and there's so much more people can enjoy it the way it's set up right now than if it was just all all dug up so uh, if you want to go make the trip um, they have field attractions such as Dinosaur Hill, Riggs Hill where the one of the original famous um, discoveries was made they have a paleontology area, a trail through time, um, Dinosaur Hill and then a few miles south of the dinosaur journey on uh, Colorado Route 340 they have a one mile uh, loop trail with signs you know showing you and you can see different digs and history of the dinosaurs and such like that they have a the historic underground mine where there's a bronze plaque that commemorates Riggs fossil recovery where he actually used uh, hired um, prospectors that were kind of out of work and they actually dug up some of these um, fossils by tunneling and getting them out um, to be able to get them out a little bit quicker so it's 360 areas uh, acres of area and um, it, it's really amazing I mean there's just so many different dinosaurs uh, 